part of this you just don't get, huh? Lord, let me know if you got us. Preaching about prophets. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to the goddess. Goddess. Got it. Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Co. Power Half Hour. This is your pod to empower, to enlighten, to recharge, and to validate you on your journey through womanhood. I'm Kelly Hickey, your host. Hello, great to have you here. I'm Women's Empowerment Specialist and Founder and Director of Strong Women Co., a company that's designed to help women step into their power. We have uh, one-on-one group on workshops uh, and programs to help you to be the strongest, happiest, healthiest version of yourself. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and uh, like us and follow us from empower for empowering, inspiring, and validating posts. We also have our Strong Women Co. Tribe, uh, which is a free online group of women helping women uh, through womanhood. Uh, and so you can just join that for free. Just find search Strong Women Co. Tribe on Facebook. Um, so we've got a lot of great feedback from last week's podcast. Thanks to Stacey Tuttle for that. If you are a listener to our podcast, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, and really a lot of thanks to people who have been sharing the podcast. We've gotten some feedback on that. If you don't subscribe or haven't subscribed and uh, rated us yet on iTunes, please do that. It really, really helps us uh, to be able to show up on the searches for for things like women's empowerment um, when people search for it. It helps us find us. It helps people find us. And uh, we had um, our Happy Hormones, Happy Women workshop uh, over the weekend. It was a big success. Oh my goodness, so many happy women. Thanks to Stacy for that too and all those wonderful, powerful um, inquisitive sharing women uh, that turned up and uh, Stacy and I are going to turn that into that workshop into an online course and we're hoping to get that uh, up and available to you in the next four to six weeks uh, super excited about that turning all that great information and that empowering information into things that um, people anywhere can tap into and I actually just decided that the grounding and connecting healing meditation that I did in that workshop I'm going to turn that into a bonus pod um, maybe come out later uh, just a d- few days after this one maybe the week uh, but I'm being called to share because of the healing that is necessary uh, for women going on now and before we get into the topic of this podcast let's do our usual breaths let's gather our whole cells up whether you're listening to this in your earbuds or driving in your car you can Kind of just mentally gather your whole self up. Let go of those to-do lists just for a second. If you're not driving, you can close your eyes. Just take a moment. We're going to do three. So we're breathing in through the nose, nice and light. Hold. Do it again. We're going to do it nice and easy, not hard at all. In through the nose, nice cool air. Hold. 
<sighs> Let's do it one more time. Fill up those lungs max capacity this time. Hold. Let it out with a sigh. <sighs> that was almost a growl out of me and not really surprising. All right, let's get into this, the topic of today's podcast, Sacred Rage and Righteous Anger. Let's go. All right, Sacred Rage and Righteous Anger. Have you ever heard of uh, the term sacred rage before? Maybe not. Um, I think I remember the first time I heard it and I was like, yes, there is such a thing as sacred rage. And honey, I'm here to tell you it is a real and legitimate and important thing. When your rage is so righteous and so undeniable (laughs) and so deep, that is some sacred, sacred rage. Uh, but before I get into the, the term of sacred rage, and this is a topic uh, for a podcast that I had planned on doing, um, just kind of having it in my list of different things I wanted to talk about. Um, and I wanted to kind of just talk about it in a general kind of way when I first came with the idea, because I do feel it's very important for women in particular um, to acknowledge their righteous anger and their sacred rage. Um, particularly because women are not allowed to be angry, definitely not allowed to be rageful uh, in this society under patriarchal rules. Uh, And I wanted women to be able to uh, tap into that anger and honor that part, those parts of themselves that were angry without guilt and all those other strange feelings that come along with it. But so backing that truck up a bit, uh, I want to just talk about the value of anger and anger is an emotion just like all other emotions you know uh, if if happiness sadness uh, we we can easily identify how those are valuable uh, to our life valuable to our um, experiences and legitimate but when it comes to anger um, women in particular you know we're we're not allowed to be angry Um, we're not even really sure how to be angry uh, even myself, and I've really tried to uh, honor my, my anger and, and the frustrations I feel, um, but I often, when I'm really, really angry, um, and I say I'm saying something, or even thinking about how angry and rageful I was as I was doing up the notes for this show, just trying, trying to understand and explain and get my ideas around all of the things that are going on in our society, I broke into tears, and Uh, I was crying and I remember like you know just different fights and arguments I've had and I'd be angry and I'd be talking but I'd be crying as I was doing it and I remember thinking why am I crying (laughs) I'm not sad I'm angry why 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 is this coming out through tears and uh, I realized that um, I had not been de- not been shown any kind of anger except for male anger, um, and uh, you know it, besides, I mean, like women are 
only allowed to show anger through really, really like passive aggression and manipulation, this really like deep seated stuff that's very unsatisfying for everyone involved in it, including the people who are receiving the manipulation or passive aggressiveness. Uh, but so that's the only way that women are really allowed in this society uh, to demonstrate anger. And then, of course, they're raked over the coals for that. But just think about like, I can think about how many times I've seen uh, a guy uh, punch a wall, put a hole through a wall. I, I mean, I actually probably can't even count. There's de definitely around 10, I suppose, probably way more than that. Uh, different parts of my life when I've seen a guy put his fist through a wall. I've never seen a woman. I've never seen a woman um, barely be angry outside of, um, you know, uh, fits of crying and, and screaming. And, um, you know, we're not really given that uh, those tools and to know how to really be angry and we're shamed for being angry because it's like you know it's not womanly it's not feminine um and I remember when I was um I was in first year university and I went to see a psychologist because I was having a really hard time I had a lot of uh, really gross like just family crises and um also my my first love had died so I was in a bad way and uh, I did have a lot of anger. And I remember the psychologist, um, he was a feminist psychologist. He's actually the guy, who, the guy who introduced me to feminism. Isn't that strange? But I think that it, I needed, I was so patriarchal soaked in, in my consciousness that I would, was not even going to accept feminism from a woman at that point, I don't believe. But he introduced some feminist things to me and... Um, here I am, but uh, he was the psychologist that gave me the book, The Dance of Anger. And it was a book that helped women to understand their anger and learn how to express it. And this was brand new concepts to me. And um, I appreciated the concept and I appreciated uh, kind of uh, what, the, recognizing the limited tools I had to deal with those emotions. Admittedly, I was nowhere near being able to actually express my anger um, in any kind of serious or meaningful way to myself at the time, but it was definitely uh, steps in the right direction. It's very funny because anger is pretty much owned by men in society. You know, um, I can, can't even remember how many times I've been in a workplace and I've seen men, you know, do all kinds of different things in anger. If it was, you know, out of frustration or just like cursing and screaming at their computer board in their offices or, you know, uh, I, I've seen so much anger from so much men, so many men over, over the years and anger in general is, is just owned. It's, it's just one of those emotions that's kind of like, you know, it's the toxic masculinity and the patriarchy of how limiting it is. And, you know, uh, in, in toxic masculinity and the patriarchy, men are not allowed to be soft or vulnerable or affectionate or, you know, any of those things. And on the flip side, women uh, must be those things all the time. So we are not allowed to be angry or um, not allowed to raise our voices, not allowed to embody anger, even though so many things happen to us that allow us to be angry and cause us to be angry. We are still denied that part of ourselves. And even, you know, strong-minded feminist gals like myself, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I can do with my anger, what I should do with my anger, how to connect that. Uh, so, and the other thing is too, like we're just constantly looking for some, for our feelings to be productive and to just move through them. So even now, 
in these last several days of everything that's going on in, in the news uh, and all the hurts that women are facing and all the frustrations I get through my clients, who, not from them, but the frustrations they have in their lives, often patriarchy-induced. So I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm just experiencing all this anger and I'm trying to figure it out myself. And I'm trying to figure out how to organize those ideas and then how to communicate them, how to process them and how to let them go. Like I'm doing all of it, but I'm also trying really hard to let myself be angry because there's so much to be angry about. (laughs) I thought long and hard about this subject of this podcast and try to figure out exactly how to bridge this subject. You know, I do want this to podcast to be an empowering podcast but that does not mean we talk about rainbows and butterflies all of the time and this is part of actual women's empowerment is talking about actual women's lives and the actual feelings we have uh, in dealing with our and experiencing our lives so if you are one of those people like me one of those women like me who is um kind of confused in how to deal with her anger, um, kind of new to this idea of, of, of sacred rage, well, I, this, this podcast is for you. I want you to be able to own your whole self and to not feel any shame or guilt or icky feelings around your anger. You know, I, I f- see so many times so many yogis and different kinds of therapists that it's like it's all about getting to the peace and all about letting go and like yes I get that for sure like um at at, at the end of the day I definitely want to be have been more calm at the end of the day meaning the end of my life I want to have been more calm and peaceful than angry but that suggesting that that is the goal and the only goal is really I don't know it feels irresponsible and it feels uh, like it invalidates so much of the human experience and specifically so much of the female experience in this world we have so many things to contend with and compete with and so many limiting beliefs from society and our friends and family and ourselves there are so many things Uh, that tell us our experiences are not real or important or, uh, you know, matter, that our experiences don't matter. So there is this this low-grade rage that women have been feeling um, uh, for generations and generations and generations, ever since the patriarchy came in, this this rage of us being uh, violated and abused and this rage of, you know, us being limited and saying we can't do things and this rage of having to worry about our safety every single day and take precautions for our safety and worrying about our daughters and and uh, thinking about, you know, what we wear so we don't want to seem too whatever. You know, all of these, these kind of like this accumulative, um, when I talk to my um, clients about this, particularly those in the male-dominated fields, we talk about death by a thousand paper cuts. And this is what this is what we can feel. And we can feel uh, they've already demonstrated in science that our DNA holds trauma. Not surprising probably, right? Like, but the DNA you pass down holds the memories of the trauma from your ancestors. So let's think about that. 
They've already demonstrated that, you know, the DNA from folks who are in war-torn countries, um, you know, th those kids who are, don't even grow up in those war-torn countries have the effects as though they did. So we already know that this trauma is in our blood, is in the code that makes us up. So let us for a moment think about all of the anger and rage over the injustices that us women have been forced to endure and go through and process and experience because of the injustices of the patriarchy and toxic masculinity. It's overwhelming, right? The thought of it. I can just think to get to the level of my grandmother and then I, I can't even, it's, it's I think my grandmother who, <laughs> such a strong lady, and she would grab, she was a feminist even though she would totally not have admitted it and very spoke down about women in a lot of ways, but she was a feminist in her own kind of empowerment ways and one of my biggest memories of her is, this is one of her lines, she would always like kind of like grab her breast and she's like, see these? <laughs> If I didn't have these, I'd be working up in the Labrador. The Labrador was a, is a place where uh, men go to work and make money. It's an industrial, uh, resource-based uh, place. And, and she wasn't wrong, right? Because she wanted to go and, and to make money and to provide for her family. Her husband, you know, was hurt when he was very young and then died when he was also young. So she had to provide for nine kids and she was extremely frustrated not to mention of all the other hurts and things. And I mean, she had told me about, you know, being um, violated by uh, American military visiting and um, other, other, other things that uh, as a kid was very eye-opening and allowed me to protect myself um, and to think more accurately of the different dangers that were around. And I guess, I guess at this point... Um, I wanted to get as far into the pot as I could without uh, saying that there's this could be a trigger. I wanted to be able to just talk about anger in general, but I don't think there's a way to talk about anger and sacred rage of women without talking about specific kinds of things we endure. So I will be talking um, in arm's length as much as I can. Uh, talking about topics of um, assault and sexual assault but uh, so if you don't feel like you can handle that totally understand I'll just say um, because uh, we're going to be dealing with some heavy stuff not too heavy like you know me I'll try to keep it empowering uh, but I will be putting out um, that healing meditative uh, meditation um, shortly after this one, just so that we can heal, because I do feel it's very important to be angry. It is very important to feel that sacred rage um, and that anger and to let ourselves do it, because, well, first of all, we're totally entitled to it. Second of all, if you don't process it, it stays in your body and manifests into something else. I know this firsthand. And thirdly, the world needs you to feel that righteous anger and that sacred rage because the world needs us to change it the world needs our sacred rage to say to say okay that's enough okay this is where the boundary is do you see how we are all foaming at the mouth savage enough enough this is this is the this is the line drawn in the sand 
And if we are not there with our sacred rage, with our righteous anger to say enough, then the world society keeps on going. Anger and rage tells us when something's wrong. Let's just think back. Just think back to a time when you were really angry. When was it? What were you really angry about? And I'm not talking about like just daily frustrations or, you know, you losing it at a, if you've got road rage or something like that. Like those, those are not common everyday things. And yes, they, they, um, they occur. I'm talking about, you know, like the kind of anger and the kind of rage that just like burns everything else away and there, you just get crystal clear on it. And this is very Kali, uh, Hindu goddess Kali, burn it all down Kali, uh, who would, you know, who, who would say, rises up in us when it's like, um, that's it, I can't handle it anymore. Um, rage, fire, destruction, whatever happens, I, my limits, my boundaries are up and this is it. No more. And there's so much value in this sacred rage and righteous anger and like I said this this anger in general just tells us when something's wrong and when you get really fired up that's your spirit talking right that's your heart talking that's your soul talking to you you know and you when you get passionate about something it's 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 like there are these markers put out I I think of sacred rage and righteous anger now like the buoys of society a lot of trouble with this word, the B-U-O-Y-S, boys of society, you know, and so the sacred rage of like, nope, too far, you know, uh, of the collective consciousness or, or um, you know, how our sacred rage can guide us and help us to grow and evolve. Sacred rage is a catalyst. It's a bit of a, it's a shot of nitroglycerin. It's a undeniable fire inside us that tells us that something's going to change, something's really wrong not going to put up with this anymore. I'm going to stand in my power. I'm going to be empowered. I'm going to uh, do this for myself. I'm going to do this for my daughter. I'm going to do this for other women. I'm going to do this because it's what's right. And sacred rage helps us be fair, helps us be just, helps us to be compassionate. And righteous anger is not only legitimate, it's necessary for our society, for our evolution. And I had originally decided that, yes, I'm definitely going to have this as a topic when I felt my sacred rage raise up, rise up inside me so much I could barely see. Uh, and that was when um, we first heard about um, babies in cages in um, the American border. And so I'd already decided I'm going to do this topic of the podcast, and then that came up, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm definitely got to talk about how our sacred rage is a buoy, you know, like, you know, I'm just thinking in, like, boating terms, like, you don't go there, this is, no, our sacred rage, so, like, you know, there's all these angry women very screaming in the streets, okay, we have to stop this law, or, and that's really what it came down to was, it was mostly women who were rageful and experiencing and voicing their sacred rage against the child separation policy um, in American politics that uh, was the reason that that policy was halted in its tracks. And yes, it's not 
completely, uh, there's still a lot of children who need to be put together with their parents and it's horrific and like stomach churning and that's a whole other rage in itself. But it was the sacred rage of women and their voices that stopped it. And there were uh, Trump officials that admittedly said when they were doing this policy, they didn't think that people would care. They didn't think people would care about children being separated at the border and were genuinely surprised by the reaction. They were shocked by this sacred rage and righteous anger. So with that as a backdrop, let us talk a little bit about the Kavanaugh hearing uh, that's caused so much rage and anger to rise up in women and uh, anyone who is fair-minded. Uh, I will say one person who has helped me through it is Samantha B. Um, if you don't watch Full Frontal uh, online or whatever, just look up uh, Samantha B. I know Twitter she is uh, at I am Sam B. But highly recommend her. Uh, we do need to look to other women to understand this sacred rage and righteous anger uh, that we are feeling so that we can process it. And so through the Kavanaugh hearing, and like, I will totally admit, I am and have told you all, uh, I am political junkie, a news consumer. Um, and as a political junkie and news consumer and woman, I have found this very, very hard. Uh, this was hard because I feel like after the Me Too place, we got to a place where we weren't, we weren't just saying women were liars anymore. And I'm going to talk about why we were talking about women as liars in a moment, but we weren't talking about women as liars or we weren't, we were pretending we weren't anyway. And we had fought, uh, when I say we, the women's movement, feminism, um, had fought so hard for women to be believed about their experiences. And the, this case, um, the Kavanaugh hearing proves even when women are believed because I never heard a single, not even in your Fox so-called news uh, world, I never heard a single person say anything about Dr. Ford's testimony outside of she was very credible. She was a credible witness. She did everything right. She described it in such a way. She wanted the FBI investigation. She was a very credible, a white, educated doctor, right? She was a credible witness. I heard many on, on the, the right uh, say, well, you know, I do believe this happened to her. I just don't believe uh, Kavanaugh did it. And it's like, what, what? Well, you know, if you're not calling her a liar, you're saying that she's mixed up. This is, this is beyond infuriating. This is just like another loophole because they know it's not politically um, astute for them to outright call her a liar. So they'll say, oh, she's just, you know, she misremembers or all of these other ridiculous things. And I will tell you, you do not misremember an attack. You do not misremember. And I thought Blasey, uh, Dr. Ford described it so well in her understanding of trauma and where it goes and hides in your memory and in your brain and all of that. And and then I think it was so hard uh, because we got to a point where it's like, okay, we're, we're believing her, right? Like we believe that this actually happened to her. And, um, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. You know, like half of America said in a poll 48% that even if 
Kavanaugh assaulted Dr. Ford the way she did, 48% of Americans said that that was not disqualifying for him to be a Supreme Court judge. What? (laughs) And at this point, I'm just going to invite you to rage and roar and just like, get it, get it out of you. Um, God, it's it's so hard to not curse CHMR. Thank you for making me clean up my act. But gosh, darn it. I want to curse when I'm talking about this frustrating this and and how we got here and and what do we do with this? And all I can figure is we rage. We rage, that sacred rage, the rage of our grandmothers and our foremothers and our great-great-great-grandmothers and all of the hurts they had to endure and continue on and just, just soldier on through because what were their options? What are the options of our daughters? Are they that many more than the options of our great great grandmother sure most women have the vote here you know in north america and and sure you know some laws have little by little tiny bit by tiny bit gotten better but you know um i i don't see all that much difference and you know we can really go back and look and wonder how far have we really come i'm going to include a little bit of history now because I think it's a valuable part of um, our history of a society uh, that doesn't get talked about much. And we're going to go back uh, to Freud, the so-called father of psychology. And um, my first degree was in psychology. I actually went into university to be a psychologist. And it was when I was in uh, and doing psychology and I realized that psychology was not for humans, it was for men. And that um, the majority of women I knew could be diagnosed through the DSM-4, it was called then, now now it's the DSM-5, could be diagnosed with um, a psychological um, mental illness because the women's, women's experiences were just left out of psychology in general. And I could uh, do a whole podcast on that. And then um, that's when I decided to do my master's in gender studies as opposed to my master's in psychology because I couldn't do another psychology course without poking out my eyes. But so this is uh, the uh, start of psychology that no one ever talks about. And um, it actually came out when I was discussing this uh, with my husband and finally let myself, this was Sunday night, and I finally let myself really start to feel the rage because I had... The fr- Friday had happened with the whole Kavanaugh thing and all of that, uh, and then everyone voting except for Jeff Flake, and and then uh, you know I was still working on the workshop uh, for on Saturday, and then when Saturday we had the workshop, I had two baby showers to go to, and then by come Sunday night I was uh, finally allowing myself to feel the rage, and this this story kind of came out of me, this this history, and I realized with the shock that my husband experienced because he had never heard of it, how few people actually know this, but. So Freud, of course, um, was the kind of the dude, the person that's credited with um, making psychology a science, and he worked very hard to make sure that psychology could be considered um, an, a quantifiable, uh, tested thing, such a, so that could be science. 
and he did work mostly with women, um, especially starting off because uh, it was women who, and it was white, you know, uh, middle upper class uh, women who had the time. It was often those women that their husbands had sent to Freud because they were so-called frigid or so-called, you know, uh, the word uh, Freud ended up using was, of course, uh, hysterical. Hysterical, the Latin word root of uh, hyster, of course, meaning uterus. So like kind of essentially meaning crazy uterus because uh, men can't be hysterical, apparently. But um, that that's just the very, very uh, sexist, misogynistic history of that word. Um, but he did work with women predominantly, most of whom. Um, so he would do the psychoanalytic thing where they sat down and talked and the majority of the women he talked to who had these different neuroses, uh, as he called them, had it reported to him in their experiences childhood instances of sexual abuse. Many of them naming uh, their fathers uh, or other people close in their family as abusers. Um, knowing what we know now, it's not a surprise, is it? And how often and common prevalent we know sexual abuse to be, uh, particularly women experiencing sexual abuse uh, and, and young girls. Um, so Freud drew the causal connection between abuse and neurosis, uh, which he then called hysteria. So he, he made an actual connection in his preliminary research between the uh, sexual abuse, molestation, and rape, uh, and, and then later um, neuroses and hysteria as an adult. Early in his career, he believed uh, these these women and uh, that he believed that little girls often did experience the abuse. And, you know, he was kind of shocked by it. However, uh, when he let out some of these results in his theories, he was met with a lot of press pressure. And this repeated and persistent incrimination of fathers by his patients made him, quote unquote, uneasy. This is his uh, words. And he felt pressure from other researchers that it just couldn't be true. You know, uh, fathers just don't do this. Uncles just don't do this. And uh, when he got that pressure and he was wanting psychology to be <laughs> held up as, as a science. So what he did was he walked back uh, his assertions. And um, with the mounting pressure, he changed his theory so that the neurosis of, neurosis of women did not come from actual sexual molestation or assault, but from the women's fantasy, from women's imaginations. He was saying that the women, all of them, made it up. And because women are so crazy, right? <laughs> this is part of the rage. <laughs> and one of his reasons, holy patriarchy, right? Like this is when you really get to see how Every part of our society is really soaked in the patriarchy, particularly our sciences, you know. But he, it was easier for him to say that women made it all up than what the alternative. And one of the ways that he proved that women made it all up and it was just because women are crazy and hysterical and we are just naturally uh, less strong and naturally not sound of mind. These are all totally things that uh, people of that time thought and people still think um, in with different words today. And uh, so one of the ways that he, yeah, he said in his, to his own mind that it was made up and imaginary was that when he 
uh, did psychoanalytic work with men, they did not report being molested and assaulted by their mothers. <laughs> so, ipso facto, uh, women are making it up as opposed to um, this being a patriarchal male domination objectification of girls, women, and children thing. Uh, but it was easier to call those, you know, unrelated women who were apparently, you know, just in this collective consciousness of crazy, according to him, it was easier to call them crazy and liars than it was to face the horrific reality of the epidemic proportions that many, many men were abusing and raping girls and women. And Freud withheld and altered information from his patients to fit this new theory that was much more acceptable by the, those in the science community and he put his own paternalistic patriarchal perception on it uh, he refused to name the offenders the men the fathers the uncles the neighbors they were victorian men who were per permitted to indulge in forbidden sex provided they were discreet about it example you know tons of flourishing brothels at the time and freud didn't want to disturb the respectability of men since he saw them as the strength and pillar of society that kept everything together kept it orderly you know, talking about, talk about ena enabling and uh, codependency of unhealthy relationships and realities, you know, it's like, don't shake the boat. Don't shake the boat. No, no, men, we need men. We, we can't think these bad things about men. They're the pillars of society. What would we do if we knew that men were doing all of these things? Society would just crumble. Well, maybe society as we know it needs to crumble to be rebuilt. That's the Callie and me speaking right there. So, Freud believed any attempts uh, on the part or, or the child uh, or her family to expose a violator, those upholding pillars of society of men, uh, only exposed the child or uh, woman's own alleged innate sexual motives and shamed her more than the offender, making girls and women stay silent. Holy women blaming Batman, right? Geez, I wonder why more women don't come forward. Gee, I wonder how much has changed. Not much if you want to look at the Kavanaugh hearing. How many people are doing exactly what Freud said? It's like, no, 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 we can't, we can't accept that men or a man that we would put in this high esteem on this shortlist for a Supreme Court nomination. He can't possibly have done this. She must be mistaken. And all those other women are coming forward and other men corroborating. Liars. They're all liars right? This is the same kind of idea of we need to hold on to these strong men, these strong men ideas as pillars of our society. This is, this is what is being told to us. And it is so enraging. And that sacred rage you feel, that fire in your belly, that is what is necessary. This is what we need to hone into, to process, to acknowledge, to give voice to. And if that voice is sobs and cries and mumbles, I'm with you, girl. I've had, I've had a lot of it today, just putting all this together. It was really, really frustrating and really, 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 really painful. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to all of my sisters and my foremothers for the vast unending, unyielding injustices they had to face just because they were women and girls in this society. 
and I'm so sorry for all the fear we still feel. Fear so that we cannot even be rageful when we deserve and ought to be rageful. So we must rage together. We must come together. We must find our voice so that we can make this place better and find our rage, find our anger, give voice to those important parts of us, those, those parts of society, those markers, those boys that say enough. We've had enough. It was bad enough when all these things were in the shadows, but now they're out in the open. And some people think that just shining light on them is going to disinfect it, but that's not true. We have to shine light on them, and then we need to connect that sacred rage, our voices, our passions, and insist that these things change. And insist that if the law is the law, and you are not allowed to assault someone, then you are not allowed to assault someone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter if they're drinking. It doesn't matter how old you are. Are we a society or are we not? Where we are not allowed to cause bodily harm or invade another person's body. Are we a society that allows these things? I refuse to sit idly by. I refuse to not give voice to my sacred rage and my righteous anger. And I insist to create space, to create an avenue for women to find that voice and find that sacred rage and righteous anger of the goddess, of the creator of all, of the divine feminine, of women's voices, because there is a new world waiting to be born. I can feel it. I know it. And on the right day, I can hear that new world breathing. But we need to clear away all this old crap. We need to change the rules. So an assault is an assault is an assault. And until the law reflects what we want and need as women in society, well, that's not my laws. That's not how I govern my life. In the Strong Women Co. Instagram, you can see a repost from uh, another heated feminist is the name, and the post is, if a woman tells her story and no one in her government hears her, does her government exist at all? No. Women have no government. We are ungoverned. So we will become ungovernable. Way to radicalize the women, Republican Party. We will now become strategically and relentlessly disobedient. So here is your prescription to answer your soul's calling, honor that sacred rage, to roar, roar, get it out of you, scream it out of you. Don't keep it in. And if it comes out messy, it comes out messy. I've never seen sacred rage tied up into a tiny bow before. 
If we did not voice our sacred rage and righteous anger the whole world over, the American government would still be putting, separating from children, children from their families and putting them in cages thousands and thousands and thousands a week. Our sacred rage matters. Our righteous anger matters. You matter. Your voice matters. Don't forget it. The power is being gripped ever more tightly by those who have power. And that is what the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh is about. And that is a kind of power that's going to have a mechanical value when it comes to suppressing the insurgency. One of the purposes of shaping this court for another generation is to depress the mechanisms of change, to take away votes, to take away bodily autonomy and therefore economic, familial, professional autonomy from women. That was Rebecca Traster talking on the podcast, Why Is This Happening with Chris Hayes? And I actually highly, highly recommend um, that being a subsequent podcast uh, uh, to this one, uh, talking about being connected to, you know, uh, collective consciousness. So the majority of the podcast you just listened to, I recorded that yesterday and I'm finishing it off with the um, featured song today and in between then uh, on this morning um, I got to listen to thanks to my husband uh, seeing it and sending it to me uh, this Chris Hayes uh, podcast is called Women Rage and Power with Rebecca Traster and what's super cool is uh, Rebecca has amazing insight um, into women's anger and, and rage and how important it has been uh, she's actually got a new book out called Good and Mad the Revolutionary power of women's anger right like how how good is this timing I can't even I think I think we're all feeling it and just you know when I'm listening to my spirit that I should be doing a podcast on this it's because everybody's feeling that we should be talking about this and even Chris Hayes in the um, uh, in the podcast he specifically talks about righteous anger and the importance of righteous anger which I like squealed I was like yes we're talking about it and Rebecca and Chris talk about uh, all the movement movements that have come out of women's anger from things like uh, in the labor union the triangle factory uh, where women uh, were killed in the fire and ending child uh, labor and uh, even up into uh, civil rights movements in Rosa Parks and all of the different things. Most of the uh, movements that have been brought to us that advance us as a culture have been brought by women's anger and women's sacred rage. So just another reason, another another uh, bit of information for us to move forward that other people are talking about this too. And uh, right after I'm finished recording this, I am going to go get that good and mad, the revolutionary power of women's anger uh, by Rebecca Traster, T-R-A-I-S-T-E-R. I'll put it in the show notes uh, and I'll let you know how that goes next week. So here we are at the end for the featured song. Uh, I have to say I have put a whole lot of thought into this featured song. Um, I put a call out to my hive mind. I got an amazing amount of suggestions, but I just couldn't find, I couldn't find a song that really felt the tone, um, it, you know, and really felt the kind of, um, the, the real rage and the real women's power that, um, that, that I feel that we need to hear and we need to to process now and 
So I have come up to the decision, um, and because this is the only song that made sense to me, I kept moving away from it, and I kept coming back. But there was uh, when I was in the pilgrimage uh, at Goddess Pilgrimage in Crete in uh, October 2017. So um, a year ago from taping this, I was in Crete on my um, amazing pilgrimage with uh, the infamous Carol Christ, who is coming to St. John's to talk uh, in November 8th. Uh, just a shout out to that, to clear your calendars because you'll want to hear that. And she's doing a special talk just for uh, people here in St. John's. But Carol uh, leads this uh, pilgrimage in Crete uh, based on um, ancient uh, beliefs of um, the goddess and the sacred mother and all of, all of those gorgeous um, ancient history and archaeological um, findings we get into sacred palaces. And then one of the days we actually went to a sacred site um, and it was a sacred site that we could come into because uh, Carol knew so many people and she'd been doing this pilgrimage for over 25 years. Um, but um, it wasn't particularly open to the public. And um, when we arrived, and it was one of those just amazing days where, you know, we're going up these mountains and creeks, and how we get up there is uh, in the backs of pickup trucks, right? Uh, and we're in pretty rough terrain. And we go to this ancient site, uh, and it's, it's a, uh, a sacred site of the Minoan people. Um, and when we get there, we see these two uh, women uh, kind of just like going around the outside of the sacred site. And um, we get out there and we pile out of the back of some pickup trucks where we're there and we go to see these two women. And it was these two amazing women um, from their American, I believe both of them originally from Texas, uh, Natalie and Kendall. And uh, they're both Baptist preachers who were on their own um, goddess pilgrimage. And one of the things, the main things that um, had brought them on this goddess pilgrimage was uh, Carol Christ, Dr. Carol Christ's books. And, you know, as we all show up with Carol Christ in tow, um, I believe it was Kindle who actually even had Carol's book in her very hand. And they couldn't figure out a way to get into this because uh, there was a lot of gated, um, it was just a giant gate around it. And they said, after you know some trying, they said, okay, goddess, if we're meant to come get in there, can you show us a way? And within a couple of minutes, there was all these women showing up in pickup trucks. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a real tingly kind of moment. And then uh, they got to come back and, uh, you know, they did, we did a ceremony where we read Sappho poems and, um, and ate delicious and meals and just got to know each other a bit better. And now these are my great friends on Facebook. But it is actually Kindle who captured the song I'm about, about to play. Um, it's uh, a song that we were singing in the back of a pickup truck. And uh, it, one of the, Linda was one of my pilgrims and she was the amazing songstress. Um, anyway, so this song was a song that I do in my Minoan workshops and I will be doing it uh, when I do my Minoan workshop uh, in late October this year too. Um, it's one of the songs I use in ceremony to help women get empowered um, and reclaim their power in this on this earth. And uh, it actually, this song came up um, over the weekend when I was at a baby shower and uh, one of the women at the baby shower had been to my uh, Minoan workshop and loved the song so much, all the women did, that they asked me to send this video that Kindle had taken um, of us in the back of the truck so that they could sing it uh, and be reminded of the tune, the tune and all of that. And, and uh, at the, uh, th then this song has gone out to others who haven't even been to the workshop when they've been feeling down. And, and um, so this one friend uh, who was having the baby shower had sent it to this other 
friend who was also pregnant and and uh, anyway so all of us obviously knew this song and in the middle of this baby shower we just broke out into a song and uh it was really beautiful <laughs> get into the tone there now uh everybody in the baby shower just stopped and watched and we just kind of like sang with huge smiles on our faces so uh you'll hear carol at the end say okay girls you're going to come with me because this is totally a raw cut <laughs> I'm going to play it back to back twice so you can get the uh, words and tune for yourself. Um, a lot of women I know love singing this and singing it to themselves. So, uh, it will sound a little strange, but I think you'll appreciate the rawness and the realness. And like this is a honest to goodness woman's folk tune, right? Like I can't tell you, we can't tell you who, who uh, wrote this. This was a song learned by Linda. Uh, our songstress pilgrim who had learned it in a tent at a folk festival uh, and the tent was specifically for um, goddess songs so it's like literally woman sharing to woman song about stepping into our power and um, without further ado I'm going to throw it on here now and I want you to feel that rage and I want you to also realize that that rage is going to help you step into your power. Not only is that that rage important to the world, but that rage is important to you. And now it's time. You are a woman at the full height of your power. These are the words. I am a woman at the full height of my power. This is the place and now is the hour. I am a woman at the full height of my power. This is the place and now is the hour. I recognize my sacred birth. I have the power to help heal the earth. All right, here we go. Sacred rage, healing meditation to come. I love you. You're doing rad. Rock on. Find us on Facebook and Instagram for inspiring and empowering tools. We're in this together. Subscribe, share, share this podcast with someone who you think could could benefit from feeling validated of the sacred rage and righteous anger that they are feeling. And let's empower each other to make this a better world. Thank you.